Philip Brooks said, All armies that ever marched, and all the navies that have ever been built, and all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerful as has this one solitary life, the life of Jesus Christ. What a startling statement. A statement, yet as we would look at the life of Christ, his public ministry lasted only a little bit better than three years. He lived in an age without cars, trains, airplanes, computers, cell phones, radios, TV, newspapers, and any other fast-meaning means of communication. He was born in a tiny village and lived most of his life in another tiny village. In fact, he traveled no more than 200 miles from his birthplace. He never wrote a book. He never went to college. He never owned any property. He never held any public office. Yet what an impact this life has had. And why? Well, one of the main things is that he claimed deity. In fact, that was his condemning charge that infuriated the Pharisees and to their laws justified the sentence of death that they put upon him. As he stood before them in Matthew 26, It says, But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I endure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it so. But I tell you, from now on, you will will see me... I'm sorry, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the cloud of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Well, 2,000 years later, this claim is still being debated, being argued about, about the deity of Christ. In John's first epistle, John gives testimony that Christ is the Son of God and substantiates his testimony with fact. Let me lead us in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you have kept your word so that we can study it and understand it. Thank you for the spirit that dwells within us that gives us illumination to it. Thank you for the clarity of the authors that have written it, that their heart's desire is to communicate your truth. Thank you for your patience with us. Meet us, we pray, as we meet together to consider your Son and the claims that have been labeled before him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 starts off with saying, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. He starts off with what was from the beginning. The pre-existence of Christ. That Christ existed as God without beginning. We see this also in his the first verse of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A few verses later, we read, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ Himself testified of this as He addressed the religious leaders of His day. He told them in John 8, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, was born, I am. Those who, to whom he spoke knew exactly what he was saying because they picked up stones to kill him because of his claim to be God. But what I would like to draw to your attention this morning is John's initial statement. What was from the beginning, what we have heard. This is not a, a situation, a relationship of gossip. Oh, did you hear what has happened? Or did you hear what so-and-so said or did? No, this isn't a matter of, of communicating a, an unsure truth. John was communicating this we know, what we have heard. It was a, a solid relationship communicating what he knew. The Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament prophets claimed and spoke of this coming Messiah. Messiah meaning the anointed one, the promised one of God. If time permitted, we could spend all day looking at these prophecies. Josh McDowell, in his evidence that demands a verdict, identifies 61 prophecies in the Old Testament that were materialized or came to, came true in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But we want to look at a few of them this morning, as we, and we're just going to kind of jump through several without spending much time just identifying what the Old Testament prophet said and how it was uh, evidenced in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And we know the, the, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Christmas story, good enough. And this is the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph woke up, and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. In Genesis 22, verse 18, as part of the promise given to Abraham for his obedience, it says, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And the fulfillment in Matthew 1, 1 is the record of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the son of David the son of Abraham. In Galatians 3.16, the promise was spoken of Abraham and to his seed. And Scripture does not say to and to seeds, meaning many people, but to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. In Micah 5, verse 2, probably one of the well-known passages that we know, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were small from the beginning, claims of Judah, out of you will come for me, from me one who will be ruler over Israel. And we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In Deuteronomy 18, says that he will be a prophet. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. The fulfillment in Matthew 21, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the, de in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for God. This was so in John the Baptist, where it is said that he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is, at, is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Psalm 41, verse 9. Even my close friend, 
well, whom I trusted. He who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Fulfilled in Matthew 26. Going at once to Jesus, Judah said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you have come for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. The prophecy of Isaiah 53, 12, He poured out his life unto death and was numbered amongst the transgressors, was fulfilled in Matthew 27, 38. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and the other on his left. The prophecy of Psalm 69, 21, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Fulfilled as he hung on the cross, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on, on a stalk of hyslop, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. We quickly considered eight prophecies of the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Christ and according to scholars there's at least 61. Some would say yeah but surely other people there have been others that have fulfilled some of these and possibly there has been one or two but we've just looked at eight. And scholars say that there's 61 Old Testament prophecies that have been fulfilled in Jesus. Christ claimed himself regarding that which we have, which we have heard. So what John said. John heard Jesus claim deity himself. In Matthew 16, verses 15 to 17, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So John started his epistle by recognizing and giving testimony of what we have seen. No, what we have heard. Then he goes on to what we have seen. That which from, was from the beginning, which we have heard, which are, we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Here's one who walked with Jesus. He was one of the earliest of Jesus' disciples. He lived with Jesus. He was able to carefully study and observe him. Indeed, he was one who was the closest to Jesus. Truly, if anyone would have seen any cracks in Jesus' armor, it would have been John. But John gives this testimony, and let me read further John 1. That which from the beginning 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which, has, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that your joy may be complete. To my knowledge, there is no better testimony that can be given in court than to be able to say, I was there. I saw it. This is how it happened. Some time ago, I witnessed an accident. And when the police arrived, there was a number of us. When the police arrived, they gathered us and they, they took our the, the information as to who we were and they talked to us as to what we saw. And, uh, and they wanted that information and they wanted to know who it was that was making these statements. Sometime later, I received a, uh, an invitation from the government to be a, a witness. I was subpoenaed to this accident. And I was pleased to realize that there was more than one who had received this invitation. And, um, and when, when we got there, um, the, the person who caused the accident pled guilty. And I didn't have to go before the court as a witness. But to my understanding, there is no better evidence than for someone to be able to say, I was there, I saw this, and this is how it happened. And John is saying that here. We have seen it with our eyes. Paul was able to line up a multitude of, of people that could bear testimony of Jesus' resurrection to say, I saw him. He rose from the dead. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received to which you stand, in which you stand, and by which you have been saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, and according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born. He appeared also to me. 
resurrection is one of the strongest proofs of Christ's deity. Thinking of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who had identified Jesus as the Son, the, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. When he was put in prison, he began to ask some questions. And he started to have some doubts whether was Jesus really the promised Messiah? Was Jesus really the Christ? And he sent some of his followers to inquire. Jesus did not ridicule him or belittle him from asking these questions. We recognize that going through very challenging times can get us to ask questions and to question the situations in which we're in. And Jesus responded to John's question with this. Go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. All of these are evidence testifying as to who Jesus was. John also identified that which we have, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we look upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That which we have touched with our hands, that is not just a casual bumping into each other or, or shaking hands. That is referring to a, a careful examination We tend to look down on, on Thomas because he doubted Jesus' resurrection. In fact, he testified and said, I will not believe unless I put my fingers in his hands and my fist in his side. You know, that poor Thomas, he got that labeled Doubting Thomas because he had a hard time believing that Jesus Christ, he was there and he saw his death. He had a hard time believing that Jesus had come back to life. Jesus showed himself to his, his followers, but um, Thomas was not there. And that's when he made that, that, that statement. Later, we see in John 20, now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, 
put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So what does this all mean? If Jesus is who he says he is, the Christ, the Son of God, and if he did what he said he came to do, and that is, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If he is who he says he is, if he did what he claimed to have come to do, then this makes all the difference in the world. This world and the next will be eternally changed for those who accept the testimony and the evidence of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That is why the deity of Christ is such a big deal. Is he really God? Jesus and his disciples claim that he was and is truly the Son of God. These claims are either true or false. There's no middle ground. Either they are true or they are false. And if they are false, then that leaves us with two alternatives. If he knew that they were false, but deliberately misrepresented himself, then he is a liar and a hypocrite and a fool because for this claim, they put him on the cross. If he didn't know that his claims were false, then he was sincerely deluded. A madman, a lunatic. But if his claims are true, if Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world, we must fall before him, proclaiming him as Lord and Savior and God. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote this. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, referring to Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's what 
C.S. Lewis was, was challenging. You can't say that. You can't say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. He goes on to say, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the, on the level of a man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else he is a madman or something worse. John said the reason for his writing was so that your joy may be made complete. 1 John 1, 4. But not only will we experience that complete joy, but that we would have life. And we would have life in his name. We would have eternal life. John 20, 31 but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We can only receive that joy. We can only receive that life if we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as we are, have trusted that what his sacrifice has accomplished was for us, that he bore, the, bore our sins on the cross, that he paid the penalty for our sin. And he offers us forgiveness and newness of life that we might be able to be welcomed, invited into the presence of a holy God, recognizing that we come not on our own merit because we do not deserve it. But what Jesus has done, that which we observed right off the bat of observing communion, asking Jesus to forgive us of our sin and inviting him to be our Lord and our Savior. If you have not done that, if you're not sure about that you're standing before God, talk to any of the elders. They would love to sit down with you and share with them how, how you can know that you're a child of God. How you can know that you're part of the church, not church as in Forest Baptist Church, the church that God is calling out to himself as his people. God loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And he is offering you forgiveness. He is offering you joy, eternal life. Let me pray. Father, we bow before you with a recognition of our, uh, an appreciation reminder of who your son claimed to be and what the evidence declared it to be so. And so, Father, we are able to come into your presence because of the, the work of your son. 
and with great joy and delight know that we are accepted into your presence. Lord God, may we be encouraged, may we be delighted in knowing such is so for us. And Lord, if there be anyone here that does not know you as their own personal Savior, if they have not experienced what it is to be a child of God, to have that joy of their sins forgiven, Lord God, we pray that that you would open their eyes to the wonder of what you have done for us, for them. If there be others here who are walking in disobedience and in a sinful fashion, Lord God, we pray that your, your spirit might convict them to live holy and righteous lives for you. Thank you for your patience and your goodness to us, but you continue to want to draw us closer to yourself. And so, Lord God, may we realize the great delight it is to be your children and to rejoice in that. Indeed, to be a, a testimony to our world around us of, of what it is, what we have come to know, the delight of knowing our sins are forgiven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.